Welcome to Episode 4 of Murders, Mysteries, and More. I'm your host, Rudy Uribe Jr. Each week we feature stories by undiscovered authors. If you have a short story you would like to submit, send it to murdersmysteriesandmore at gmail.com. This is still a new podcast, and I don't have enough entries from other authors, so until I build up my library, I'll continue to read a few of my own stories. As it turns out, last week I was coming down with COVID. This week I have it full on, but outside of a slight fever and a cough, I feel okay. Just curious to see if my voice holds up. Thank goodness for editing. Our first story this week is a 250-word entry that received honorable mention in Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine. It features misunderstanding, which leads to emotional irrationality, which in this case leads to murder. Here is Meatloaf Surprise by Rudy Uribe Jr. Marilyn stared at the detective agency photos. They clearly showed her husband in the embrace of a beautiful woman. The report stated her husband had seen this woman every day for the last week. Marilyn ran to the kitchen and immediately went to work on her world-class meatloaf. When her husband came home, he shouted, Man, something smells good! He walked over to the kitchen table. What have we here? Remember when I asked what you would like your last meal to be and you told me it was my meatloaf with garlic mashed potatoes? Yeah, he said. Surprise! Jonathan kissed her on the cheek. Honey, you're the love of my life. He sat down and took a bite of the meatloaf. Is this a new recipe? Is there something wrong with it? She asked. No, it just tastes a little different. He took another bite. Honey, there's something I need to tell you. Me too, she said, but you better go first. I have a stepsister you don't know about. She contacted me a month ago and asked if she could be a part of our life. I was hoping you would be okay with it. Is she blonde and staying in a motel? Yeah. How did you know? It's a long story, but I don't think you have the time to hear it. Sure I do, he said, as he fell face first into the mashed potatoes. That was Meatloaf's surprise. Our next story is loosely based on actual events. Here are those actual events. My wife and I hosted a 4th of July party, and despite telling our guests not to bring anything, everyone showed up with their favorite six-pack of beer. I had enough beer to open a pub, and I had to find a way to get rid of it. And before you ask, of course I offered it to everyone as they left the party. Some took one or two bottles, one guy took 12, but the rest refused, just saying, no thank you, we're fine. The rest of the story is pure fiction. Here is 38 Double D. You wouldn't think giving away 57 cans of beer would be a problem. Let me tell you, it's no picnic. 
Last night, my wife and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary with 100 of our closest friends. I bought 250 cans of beer and made three gallons of margaritas. I figured that would be enough booze for everyone, so we made it clear on the invitation not to bring anything. Despite what we wrote, everyone showed up with a six-pack of beer. As the evening progressed, we talked about... I don't remember what we talked about. I don't even remember going to bed last night, but I sure remember waking up this morning. My head felt like a melon at a Gallagher stand-up routine. My wife doesn't drink much, which makes her a great designated driver, but not the most compassionate person when it comes to hangovers. I popped a couple of pain relievers, but could have used a Bloody Mary. As I looked at the backyard, I realized that I had to clean everything up. The tables had to be folded and moved into the garage. The trash bags needed tossing. And oh, did I mention it was 109 degrees outside? There were napkins in the pool, empty beer cans, confetti, paper plates, a bra, and plastic cups. Did I just say a bra? I stood there looking at those beautiful white cups of lace and considered jumping into the pool to save them. I didn't think my wife would appreciate my cooling off, so I used the skimmer instead. My wife was in the kitchen doing the dishes and watching me with one eye. I waited until she wasn't looking before making my move. She could see the pool from the kitchen window, but she couldn't see the bra, which was next to the steps. When she turned away, I scooped it up and quickly moved out of her field of view. In case you're wondering, the bra was a thirty-eight double D. Holy Macanoli, who do I know who wears a thirty-eight double D? I moved one of the rental chairs to a shady spot and sat down to go over the guest list in my mind. Could it belong to Rachel? Nah, she was more like a 36C. Evelyn was more like a 34B. Gloria, no way. Angie, mm mm. Mandy, <laughs> Mandy wasn't wearing a bra. That much I do remember. It was a mystery, I tell you, but I was determined to get to the bottom of it. Someone left a personal item behind, and I felt it was my civic, no, make that my moral duty to return it to its rightful owner. If it took the rest of my life, I would find out who tossed that brassiere into my pool and personally hand it back to her. I shoved the wet bra into my pocket, which wasn't one of my brightest ideas, but at least I was able to hide it from my wife. I would examine it much more closely tonight when I was alone. I wasn't anywhere close to coming up with a viable explanation for how the bra got in the pool when I noticed a couple of 38 double Ds were doing the dishes. Oh my God. How in the world did my wife's bra end up in the pool? I've always considered my wife to be a conservative woman, and as I told you earlier, she's not much of a drinker and not much of a partier. That means she was fully aware of what she was doing. She was of sound mind and body when she removed her bra and threw it into the pool. I walked in front of the kitchen window, caught her attention, and held up the bra. Oh, there it is, she yelled. I was wondering where I left it. You were wondering where you left it? I yelled through the closed window. You left it in the pool. Oh, now I remember, 
she said. Will you be a dear and rinse it off with the garden hose? I don't want the chlorine to ruin it. Now when I get in trouble, I'm shaking like Barney Fife at a strip club, and here with my wife, cool as a cucumber. When she finished the dishes, she came outside and helped me bring in a few of the coolers. Twenty-five years of marriage, and I couldn't stop staring at her. Will you get rid of the extra beer? she asked. I'm sorry, did you say something? Yes, will you get rid of those thirty-eights? Do you want me to get rid of the thirty-eights? Thirty-eights? What are you talking about? I asked you to get rid of the beer. Yeah, sure, but first tell me how your bra ended up in the pool. I'll tell you later. Right now I need you to get rid of that beer or it'll go to waste in the garage. Now, I don't like beer and my first thought was to pour it down the drain, but something seemed inherently wrong about doing that. Instead, I decided to be philanthropic and give it away. I found some grocery bags and loaded the 38, I'm sorry, the 57 cans in the bags and put them in the back seat. I came up with the brilliant idea of driving to Santa Monica and giving panhandlers beer instead of money. I headed south and exited the Santa Monica off-ramp. My panhandler was holding a sign that read, Anything will help. Perfect. I stuck a can out the window and shouted, Hey, want a beer? The panhandler had it out of my hand in four seconds flat. The car behind me started honking. Are you a moron? The guy yelled. Don't enable him. What kind of an idiot are you? I had forgotten I was in Santa Monica. The guy in front of me got out of his Tesla, grabbed the can of beer from the panhandler, and threw it at my car. Beer spewed from the can as the panhandler looked on in horror. One can down and 56 to go. I got the heck out of there and drove around Santa Monica for a while when I spotted a Goodwill donation center. I pulled in and asked a young man if he could help me with my bags. The man obliged, but when he saw what I had, he stopped. We can't accept alcohol, sir, he said. Why not? We don't have a license to sell alcohol. Would you like a few bottles, I asked. I don't think that would be a good idea, he said. I'm recovering. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Did you get injured on the job? Not that kind of recovering, sir. Oh, I see. On my drive back to the valley, I heard a few bottles hit the floor. Beer bottles are pretty thick, but I could tell that one little soldier didn't make it. I drove around for another hour with the windows down. The beer was drying out, but the odor would stick around for a long time. My next thought was to donate everything to a senior center. Now most seniors are on a fixed incomes, and beer is a luxury they can't afford. I pulled into an empty handicap spot that was close to the front entrance. I knew it was wrong, but I was doing something nice, so I figured the universe would let me slide. I walked into the lobby and got in line. People were asking long, ridiculous questions about free blood pressure testing, how to know if you're having a stroke and if fainting spells were normal. When I got to the counter, I turned on my biggest smile. I'd like to make a donation, I said. What do you have for us today? Books? No, ma'am. Beer. She chuckled as I handed her the bags. <laughs> you do have beer. Are you out of your mind? We can't have beer on the premises. Why not, I said. What kind of a stupid rule is that? Sir, am I going to have to call security? 
No, ma'am. I grabbed my bags and headed for the door. A man stopped me outside and asked if I was selling the cans. No, sir, I'm not selling them. I'm trying to give them away. Trying, he said. There's no need to try, son. Just give me one. I handed him a can, and he hid it in his jacket pocket. Yeah, I know. It was a hundred degrees outside, and the guy was wearing a jacket. Two and a half hours into my generosity tour, I was down to 54 cans of beer. One was used as a weapon against me. One gave up his life as he fell off the back seat, and one was hiding in an old man's jacket. At this rate, it would take me a month to unload everything. No matter how I looked at it, giving away a can of beer to anybody was going to make me look creepy. As I walked back to the car, I noticed a guy in a Segway. He was from parking lot security, and he was looking in my window. I approached with two grocery bags of beer and asked if everything was okay. Are those cans of beer I see in your back seat? He asked. Yes, sir, they are. I have some cooler ones on me. Would you like one? No, but it looks like a couple of cans exploded. It's got to be 150 degrees in your car. I heard them explode. That's why I came over to see what was going on. What are you doing with all that beer? I opened the windows to let some of the heat out and explained my predicament. I told him about the party and the guests who brought the beer and all the leftover cans. Why don't you just throw them away, he said. Look, if I were you... Yes, I interrupted. Finally, someone was going to give me some sage advice. I would drive straight home, he continued, pour them down the drain, and get it over with. If a police car pulls you over for any reason, I can guarantee you're going straight to jail. They will never believe you weren't drinking. He started to write something down for me when I realized it was a parking ticket for not having a handicap placard. Sir, I said, I only stopped here for a few minutes while I tried to make my donation. There isn't a grace period on handicap spots. Besides, you were gone long enough for two cans to explode. He handed me the ticket and I started for home when I saw a bar. A dive, really. It was almost seven o'clock in the evening and there were five cars in the parking lot. I pulled around to the back where the garbage cans were lined up and the flies were buzzing and a screen door was hanging partially open. I took out my bags and placed them next to the door. That's when a burly, tattooed behemoth saw me. Hey, you! Stop! He ran towards me and pushed the door open. What do you think you're doing? I'm leaving 52 cans of beer, I said. Do I look stupid? He asked. I didn't think answering him would be good for my health, so I said nothing. He dialed 911 and told the cops I was stealing beer from the storage room. I tried explaining everything, but he wasn't buying any of it. I showed him the broken bottle and the two exploded cans of beer in the back seat. If I'm stealing these, how could all of this have happened in the last three minutes? So you are dropping these off? Yeah, Einstein. I just told you that. He corrected me and told me his name was Tony. He picked up both bags and asked if he could have the other two bags as well. I'll get rid of them for you, he said. Well, that was the nicest thing anyone had done for me all day. I suggested he call 911 and cancel the emergency or he would have to explain why the beer was in his car. One by one, Tony removed the cans and placed them on the lid of his trunk. One, two, three. What are you doing? I asked. 
making sure you're not ripping me off. You said there were 52 cans of beer. I'm just making sure. 26, 27. What difference does it make? They're free. No one's going to rip me off, he said. 49, 50, 51. Hey, there's one missing. That's impossible, Big Bird. I counted the cans myself and Tony was right. There were 51 cans. It must have rolled under my seat, I said. I checked the car and there was nothing under either seat. I gave the panhandler one. I gave the old man one. I had one break. And two exploded. That was five cans. There should be 52 left. You owe me one more can of beer, he said. I couldn't believe we were having this conversation. I don't know where it is. Look, here's a buck. Go buy one. We charge a dollar fifty for beer. I pulled two quarters from my pocket. In the distance, I heard sirens. Tony hadn't canceled his 911 call, so I got the hell out of there. I pulled into the garage and walked straight into the bedroom. That's when I saw my wife wearing the white lace bra from the pool and not much else. There was a bottle of champagne and glasses and an unopened can of Coors on the dresser. What the... You took the beer? Is that all you have to say? No, I whimpered. What's that smell? She asked. It's me. I smell like a brewery, and I almost got beat up because you took a can of beer without telling me. When I was done complaining, I changed the subject. Why aren't you wearing your pajamas? It's our silver anniversary, so I thought I'd grab a silver bullet from your stash. I also have a bottle of champagne chilling. Now why don't you go take a shower, and when you get out you can tell me all about your big bad day and how you almost got beat up over a missing can of beer. All right, I said, but it's not pretty. She still hadn't told me how she lost her bra, but with a little help from me, she would lose it again tonight. I hope you enjoyed 38 Double D. That brings us to the end of episode four. Remember, if you have a short story you'd like to submit, please send it to murders, mysteries, and more at gmail.com. Oftentimes, life is more challenging than the stories we write, so stay positive, maintain an attitude of gratitude, and smile. Until we meet again, I'm Rudy Uribe.